You know the the classic movie scene, right? Um, we, we've all seen this scene. Uh, it's it's the one where the main character's lost in the desert. Their their lips are dry, you know, parched. They're desperately thirsty, and then you know, finally they see this beautiful oasis, you know, a stream of pure water, uh, and they run, they stumble, you know, they stumble to it, and 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 they lift up the fresh water and pour it into their mouth, and of course it turns out just to be dirt. It was all a mirage. Uh, they were desperately thirsty, but they were looking for water in the wrong place. Well, here in this story that we've just heard read, Jesus meets a woman who's desperately thirsty, but she's seeking to meet her thirst in the wrong place, in something that's really just a mirage. Uh, like uh, this woman, all of us have a deep inner thirst. And as we go through and explore this passage, uh, we ought to be asking, uh, where am I looking to have my thirst met? Uh, am I looking to have my thirst met in something that's just a mirage? Or is it in a real life-giving oasis? Uh, that's, that's what we'll be exploring as we go through this passage. Uh, but for now, let's dive right into the story. Uh, Jesus has been out in the countryside near Jerusalem, and now he's heading uh, back up north to Galilee. Uh, The quickest way, the way that Jesus takes, is to leave his own Jewish land and travel uh, through the foreign region of Samaria. So he's traveling along, he's tired from the journey, and around midday, he sits down by a well. His disciples are going to a nearby town to buy some food. Uh, And uh, verse 7, out comes a a local, a Samaritan woman, to get some water uh, from the well that's there. And there's a few things about this woman that it's important for us to see straight up. Uh, First, she's a Samaritan. Uh, Samaritans were an ethnic minority. The Jewish people believed that the Samaritans had taken the holy Jewish scriptures and twisted and corrupted them, uh, turned it into their own cult. Uh, Jews and Samaritans didn't do business together, didn't eat together. Uh, Jews were even prohibited from uh, you know, using an eating or drinking utensil that had been touched by a Samaritan. And this woman is a Samaritan. Uh, secondly, she's also a social outcast in her own Samaritan community. Uh, we, we know that because she's out in the midday sun uh, collecting water all by herself. Uh, you know, at midday it's hot. Uh, women are usually went in groups to get water early in the morning or late in the afternoon. But she's there, uh, she's alone, and she's in the heat of the day when everyone else is back in town. Uh, so even within her own Samaritan minority, she's an outcast. And thirdly, she's also thirsty. Uh, not just in her mouth. Uh, but in her heart. Uh, As we'll see more in a moment, uh, she's been thirsting and looking in all the wrong places for her thirst to be quenched. So this uh, thirsty Samaritan outcast uh, comes out to get water from the well. And Jesus is there and he does uh, a most surprising thing. He asks her, can you give me a drink? And with that simple question, he's breaking all sorts of cultural taboos. Uh, Jews usually didn't associate with Samaritans. They certainly didn't use uh, Samaritan jars to drink from. In fact, men and women uh, often didn't converse like this uh, in public at all. But Jesus asks her for a drink. And and, in verse 9, she's confused. Uh, She's going, you know, you're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? But then what Jesus does is he begins to turn the tables on the conversation. And we see he's actually uh, not interested in quenching his own thirst, but hers. 
because uh, verse 10, uh, he responds, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's saying, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink instead and I would have given you living water. And uh, of course, uh, that's a very strange thing to say. She's still confused. She's Verse 11, she's like, uh, you don't even have a bucket or anything to get water from the deep well. Uh, where on earth are you going to get this living water from? And, and, and who do you think you are anyway? You know, our ancestor Jacob, he, he gave us this well and you, and you think that you're greater than him? Well, Jesus... Uh, says in verse 13, well, he says, the thing about this well here, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Indeed, the water I give them, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, he's saying to the woman, if you come to me, you will find in me a water that will quench your deepest thirst. It will so satisfy you that you'll never need to thirst again. In fact, as you drink me up, he says, you'll find eternal life. That's what he's saying, but the woman's not picking up what he's putting down. Uh, She's just uh, thinking about her dry lips, uh, not her deep thirst, her inner uh, spiritual thirst, the Uh, the thirst, the one that God has put into the heart of every man and every woman uh, that can only be met in Him. Uh, She's uh, just thinking about uh, her her dry lips and she goes, okay, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to get more. But then what Jesus does is He exposes her inner thirst. Uh, I don't know if you remember the... The ad is a few years ago now. I think it was for Extra Dry. Uh, and the reason I remember it is they used to play it through the cricket all the time, uh, again and again and again. So, so the ad goes, is this guy uh, sleeping and his tongue comes crawling out of his mouth and it goes crawling around the bed, crawling over the floor, you know, crawling up the wall, you know, searching, searching, searching for the beer that can finally quench his thirst. And, 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 and it finally, the, the tongue, you know, finds the beer and, and it wraps itself all around the, you know, the, 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 the nozzle of the beer. And there's this song playing, you know, push me and then just touch me until I can get my satisfaction. I don't know if you saw that ad, but it was certainly memorable to me. And, and all the time, the guys, they're sleeping. Uh, see, so what's going on is all the time, the guys, they're sleeping on the bed. But the message is he's got this a desperate thirst, but he just can't see. There he's asleep. And this woman, uh, she's got a desperate thirst too. She's, what she's doing is she's wrapping her tongue around all the wrong things, trying to suck them dry, but she can't see it. She doesn't realize it. Uh, but now in these next verses, Jesus exposes her thirst. He shows her what she, she's always known, but never been able to see about herself. And later we'll actually see something that this exposure of her thirst, even this exposure of her thirst, her shame is the thing that she thinks is the most wonderful, extraordinary thing about Jesus, the thing that she can't help telling people all about. Uh, what does Jesus do? Well, uh, how does he expose her thirst? Well, verse 16, he tells her this. He says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands 
and the man you're with now is not your husband, what you've said is quite true. Do you see what's going on? He's exposing this woman's thirst. He's saying, I know you've been looking to have your thirst met in these relationships, but it's not working, is it? And now we don't know how her husband's treated her. Uh, we don't know uh, exactly what it was she was, she was after. And, you know, was it the uh, security or the intimacy or, or, or the love or the sexual fulfillment? We don't know. But what we do know is that she's been searching and not finding. She's been through five marriages already and she's with someone else now. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of relationships. That, that, that's probably the reason that she's an outcast in her community. And it really, it seems like uh, this, this powerful thirst is what's driving her choices. Uh, as, as a Samaritan, she, she would in her own way identify as a follower of God. As a Samaritan, uh, she would certainly know the law of God, that, that, that God made sex good, but that he made it for marriage, uh, that, that lifelong commitment of two people. Uh, she'd certainly know the law of God about marriage and sex, but she's willing to ignore that to pursue her thirst. And, and like all of us at, in this sort of tangled web of life, uh, she's both, both a victim and, and a villain. You know, she, she's alone, she's being discriminated against, uh, but she's also pursuing what she shouldn't. Yet, uh, Jesus comes to her, he, he's crossing all sorts of cultural barriers. In fact, uh, you know, that's nothing compared to the uh, creator-creature barrier he's already crossed to get to her. You know, he crosses all these barriers and he comes to her. Uh, the husband saying to her, you, you're, you're in the desert, you're, you're thirsty, uh, the husbands you're looking to, what they are, they're just a mirage. Uh, for many years you've been going to that well and drinking, but can't you see you keep getting thirsty again? No, no, give up on that, give up on that mirage, come to me and drink. But by making uh, this offer to her, Jesus is saying, you might be rejected by your community, but you're loved and accepted by God. I've come from God for you, to satisfy you and bring you life. Uh, that, see, and the reason that, God, that Jesus can quench a thirst is because in Him we meet God. In Him we can have an eternal relationship with our Maker. That's part of what uh, verses 19 to 26 are about. We won't go into them in detail, but in them we see that we don't meet God on a mountain or, or a building, but in Jesus, uh, through His Word and His Spirit. Jesus calls Himself the Messiah. He closes in verse 26 uh, by saying, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. I'm the one you've been waiting for. He's saying to this woman, I'm the one you've been waiting for, uh, looking for. You've been looking in all the wrong places, but what you really need is me. And at that, uh, Jesus' disciples arrive back. They're, they're surprised to see Jesus talking with this woman, but they, they don't say anything. Um, but, but the woman, the woman is completely changed by her encounter with Jesus. A little, uh, not that long back, uh, we took our three-year-old daughter, Rosie, to get her haircut. Uh, it was her first uh, proper haircut, you know, in a hair salon. 
Uh, and at first she was super shy, she wouldn't uh, say a word, almost wanted to hide away from the hairdresser, but, but as the hairdresser spoke with her, uh, showed Rosie that she was okay, she's safe, she's accepted, secure. You know, Rosie's, Rosie herself, she changed dramatically. Uh, by the end she couldn't stop talking and she just wanted to talk and talk and talk uh, to the hairdresser. Well, uh, the woman's conversation with Jesus radically changes her. Uh, beforehand, uh, she was thirsty. She was literally going to this well to get water in a jar. Uh, yet that, you know, that journey to get water from the well, it was a symbolic of her thirsty life. You know, a life spent searching uh, for something to satisfy her thirst. Uh, she was also an outcast, hiding away from her community. But then I uh, see what happens there in verse 28, if you've got it. Uh, first, firstly, she uh, leaves her water jar there at the well. It's like her thirst has been quenched and she can discard the jar that she had to keep re- refilling before. And so, so she abandons her jar and then, and then she rushes back into town, you know, to the, to the people of the town, which is also surprising because before she didn't want to be seen by anyone. She was going out in the middle of the day to avoid people. And now she wants to talk to everyone. And then what she says to them is even more surprising. In verse 29, she says, Come, see a man who, who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So here's this woman, right? She's, she's lived a life of shame in her community and she's, she's thrilled. She's saying, here's this guy who told me everything I ever did. He, literally, he exposed all my secrets, my shame, my, my empty searching. He, he knew I had five husbands and, and that I'm with this other guy now. You've got to come and meet him. He's amazing. I think he's the Messiah. You know, what is going on? How can all of a sudden she talk so openly like this, why isn't she terrified of looking like uh, a total crazy? Well, she's met Jesus. She's met the thirst quencher, the, the real deal, the, anti, the anti-mirage, the Son of God. Uh, meeting Him, she's never been more exposed, yet never more loved and accepted. And as she knows him, she knows the love that is better than life itself. As she knows him, she doesn't need uh, to hide from who she is anymore. She's just thrilled to shine the spotlight on Jesus, however it makes her look. And and that change in her, it must have been obvious because uh, it has an effect on the people. You know, before uh, they, they probably spread rumors about her, they, they, they shunned her, they would have maybe talked about her, what she's been up to, what she's been doing now. Uh, but, but what's happening now is uh, now they're being moved by her words because uh, verse 30, they come out of the town and they go looking for Jesus. That's the story. Uh, that's... What, that's in, what's in these verses. Jesus has met this thirsty Samaritan woman and her thirst has been quenched in him. Uh, she's then gone to the town and told everyone about him and now they've come out looking for Jesus as well. But what about you? Have you met Jesus and have you had your thirst quenched in him? It might be that Uh, Like the Samaritan woman, you feel like an outcast, uh, whether that be in the wider society or or in the church or both. You you know, you don't fit in. You feel 
um, excluded or you feel you have to exclude yourself, well, like he did for the Samaritan woman, Jesus has come for you. He accepts you and he loves you as you are. In fact, uh, at the cross, he was rejected by his friends, his, his people, his world. He was rejected so that you could be accepted by God. It might be uh, that like the Samaritan woman, you're thirsting after a relationship. You've been through one relationship after another. And you're lo- or, or maybe you're, you're longing to get out of the relationship that you're in and, and find another one where you can finally be complete. Well, that's a mirage. No one person can ever quench our thirst. That's not what we're to be for one another. That's something that only Jesus can do. At the cross, his relationship with his father was cut off. He was abandoned, forsaken, so that our relationship with God could be restored forever. See, if you go into a relationship hoping that your thirst will be truly quenched, it'll be, what it will be like, it will be like digging this deep well, putting all this effort and all this hope into this relationship, but then you get to the bottom and you find no water there. You'll, find, uh, you'll, you'll only find that water in your relationship with Jesus. Or uh, it might be that specifically you're thirsting after sexual fulfillment and, and you're looking all over to find it. It might even be that you know the law of God and, and the way he designed sex to be good in the confines of marriage, but that you, your thirst is insatiable and, and you pursue it anyway. Uh, well, uh, the more people you have or the more porn you look at, the emptier you will realize it is and the emptier you will become. It's all a mirage as well. It tantalizes, it promises so much, but only Jesus will deliver you lasting satisfaction. He's seen your, your shame. He's seen all of you. He's, he loves you. He's forgiven you. Look to him. <laughs> In, in the desert in Arizona, there's this uh, well called Montezuma's Well. And in that uh, dry land in the desert, it's known as a, the well that never runs dry. Uh, there's, a, there's an underground spring that pumps out 5,700,000 litres of water every single day. And in the thousands of years that humans have lived near Montezuma's Well, it's never been known to run dry, even in the fiercest drought. That's Montezuma's well. But if you go to Jesus with your thirst, you'll be a bit like that well. At times you might experience severe drought, but you'll never run dry. And the water that you find in him will become a fountain that wells up to eternal life. And if that's you, if you know Jesus... Why not be like the Samaritan woman and go and tell people? Unashamedly tell them your story, tell the true story, the, the honest story of what Jesus has done in your life. There's, sort of, there's such a beautiful uh, rawness and boldness about the way she goes back into town. No uh, defensiveness or there's this openness. Uh, let's be like that in the way that we share the news of Jesus too. Please pray with me as we close.
Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son to us to quench our thirst and give us love and acceptance and satisfy us in you. Our Father, help us not to look to mirages, to empty things to quench our thirst, um, but look uh, to the one who we were made to have our thirst quenched in, uh, to look to your Son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, if we can see today that we've been uh, looking in all the wrong places uh, and um, maybe we want to keep... Uh, hiding in that and we feel ashamed about that, uh, help us to know that even though you see all of us and know every last drop of our shame, you love us and accept us. Uh, please help us to turn uh, from those empty things uh, and come to find what we need in you. We pray this in Jesus' name.